known Kyle since Boogers in the Nose. That's true. All right, let's do this thing. Dave, you got an intro? Yeah, I got something for you. All right. Everybody ready? Let's do it. <clears throat> and we're live. We are recording this episode of Deaf Dialogue is brought to you by Wes's Beard. It yeah. is back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a long time. It is in full effect. That thing, it's it's looking good. It's ripe. I do want to dedicate, because we didn't get to record last week, I want to dedicate this episode to Pele. Last week he passed away. For those that don't know Pele, I don't know how you would know who Pele is. A very famous soccer star. And he lived a, an incredible life. Died at 82. Uh, definitely somebody that I personally looked up to. He's one one of my idols, somebody that I wanted to replicate when I was playing. And uh, it's kind of a bummer because he was somebody I, I always looked up to and was kind of one of my heroes. And I'll never get to meet him now. And it's kind of frustrating. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way about somebody that's passed that you've never known. <laughs> it sucks. I feel. Um, yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, man. This is week seventy-three. Pretty. Uh, we're pretty famous. No big deal. We have like seventeen listeners that show up every week. Uh, it's pretty impressive. So, welcome. But we're also humble. We stay pretty humble. Yeah. Kyle keeps us humble. I feel like we can't go any farther without mentioning Ken Block in our. That is very our, true. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, that was quite a shock at the beginning of the week. Not uh, a great start to the year. No, no. I don't know who that is. Either. Kim Oof. Locke is... Co-founder of DC Shoes, for one. Okay. Uh, gave a lot of people their big break in action sports. And then when he sold DC Shoes, he became a rally racer. And then he started doing... Um, maybe you've heard of the Jim Cano videos like 8 million views over 10 videos, like viral uh, drifting motorsports videos, whatever. And then he started a company called Hoonigan. Yeah, just big, really good marketing guy that um, like Rob Deerdick wouldn't exist without Ken Block. I was about to like, bring his name up. That's the only way I know DC Shoes is Deerdick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gave Deerdick his sp- first sponsorship and gave him his big break and then like Robin Big wouldn't probably have happened if it wasn't for Ken Block. So amazing show. Yeah. So uh yeah, that that's the guy. Um yeah, it's kind of a shock and a bummer at the beginning of the week. Good call out. Hey, just real quick, uh, before we get started for anyone listening or watching, our guest today, his name is Jake Morse. Uh he is our company's director of sales. Did I get that right? Uh, director of commercial sales. Commercial sales. So welcome, man. Um, you and I have a pretty similar like occupational path uh, just coming up. Would you mind just kind of sharing, you know, how you got started, what you started doing to where you are now? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me first off on the show tonight. Uh, this is my very first podcast. So right. um, excited to uh, excited to be here. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm with CR England right now. Um, you know, I've always been in sales for the most part. Um, 
never finished college, dropped out. I think my sophomore year, um, never really even looked to go back, just jump right into sales from there. Um, my first real sales job was I was selling mortgages, um, when I was in, um, Georgia and that was right before the uh, crash hit. And so at that point I transitioned, I went to sold cars for a little bit, but then transitioned into the uh, insurance industry and kind of just worked my way up, started working for an agent. Um, that was back in, it's like 2013, 2012 or 2013, um, was able to work my way up. I'm um, gaining a lot of knowledge and experience and ended up owning several Allstate agencies um, and then sold those agencies right before COVID hit. Um, and ultimately got out of the insurance industry and wound up in transportation. I've got some friends here in um, Hickory, North Carolina that have been in this industry for decades. Um, and they've always been trying to, uh, to get me to look into it. And so finally, when I sold my agencies, um, you know, kind of met up with them and, and talked it over and applied it at a couple of different, uh, companies, brokerages looking for a sales job. And, uh, so I started with CR England. So it's August of 21. And so now I'm in charge of our lead generation for our sales team. Um, in total, our sales department, we've got like, like 15 of us now. Now I've got four people on my team, uh, four people underneath me that we're working to, uh, to hit some big numbers here this year. Oh yeah. Do you think that car sales is similar to any other sales that you have done? I would say yes, because your car sales, I think is the more the most intense because it's like, you know, you're upfront personal um, rejections right in your face. Right. And so you've just got to face the music and do it. Um, you either make it or you don't in that industry. And I've known people that have made um, six figure incomes. I mean, you're there all the time. That's the down part of that industry is you, you don't have any, there's, there's zero work-life balance in that industry, but you can be, you can make good money if you're good at it. But yeah, you're, um, the skills you learn from, from selling cars. I mean, if you can sell cars to me, you can, you can go in any sales role and, and learn it and, and exceed. You work at a particular dealership? Uh, Honda dealership in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm originally from Michigan. I should have mentioned that. We moved, we moved to North Carolina in 2014. Yeah, car sales is brutal, dude. I sold Toyotas for almost three years, and it Did you? it was tough. It was one of the most difficult jobs I've ever had. I'm not a natural-born salesman, and that yeah. definitely opened my eyes to me not being like a pushy individual. Every yeah. time I would make a sale, my managers would be like, oh, you got to push a little bit more. Be like, dude, it's hard to convince somebody on a Tuesday to just drop 30 grand on a car. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I never really was that pushy salesperson. I never really like bought into that. Um, my thing was just, you know, give people the the knowledge they need and educate them and they're going to, you know, they, people don't want to be sold. Right. So you just got to help them sell themselves. What does a uh, sales entail and transportation? It's a different ball game in transportation. The hardest part for the people that we're contacting and reaching out to the companies is just getting people on the phone. Um, and I think part of that is due to with COVID hitting, a lot of people work from home still uh, with these shippers that were, you know, the people we're talking to, like director of logistics, VP of supply chain, 
And so trying to narrow these guys down to have them answer, you know, a call from a random number is definitely a challenge and getting them to respond even to an email. These guys are getting, you know, email blasted every single day with internal emails and companies just like us. And so we've got to try to find a way to stand out, uh, be persistent. It's always about follow-ups, right? Keeping your name in front of them and just trying to catch them at the right time. But I would say that that's the biggest challenge is just trying to get somebody's ear for, you know, five minutes. And the product you're selling is, is quite literally transporting their, their goods. Yep. Yep. So we are what we call an asset based carrier. So we own our trucks. And so our, our pitch is, you know, instead of them using their own like private fleet or outsourcing it with somebody else um, to use, to use our company to move their freight. Gotcha. What, what do you think the biggest objection you run into the most? Like if you can get them on the line. Um, I would say the most frequent one here in the last year, because we're going after dedicated transportation, right? It means we're going to stand up a fleet for that specific company. Um, and most people think of CR England as a refrigerated carrier. And so we are also in dry van and flatbed. Um, and so we're trying to get more in that flatbed space and dry van. And so say the biggest um, obstacle that we're, I guess, objection that we hear is, you know, oh, I thought CR England, you guys just do refrigerated. We don't have any, any refrigerated over here. And so it's more of like an educational piece. Um, but the challenge is also timing too, because these companies only put out bids, you know, some of them like once every three years. And so if we miss that window now, it's so we're not having another one for another couple of years. Um, and so we just try to stay in front of them and try to hope the, uh, the timing lines up for us. When you were younger, say like before you were 18, did you ever think that your life would end up where it is right now? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, it depends on what age you asked me at that point. I mean, <laughs> That's a good point, answer, actually. At one point, That's I wanted to be in the cash money millionaire. So if you, that was like, what, yeah. high school. <laughs> Yes, that was never going to work out. So I had to come up with a plan B. Um, but yeah, I always uh, I went to school with um, the uh, in mind of being like involved with a big companies like big corporations marketing department. That was my end goal. And so, you know, to a to an extent, I'm kind of <laughs> close to there, you know. All right. We're we're doing a little bit of marketing here for this company. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I never saw myself being in transportation. I never even thought of it, you know, back in the day that this was even an option. Same. Yeah, I kind of wish I would have, though. Dude, you know? same here. I wish I would have got started sooner. In this yeah, industry. that's my only, like, regret with getting into logistics. I just wish I would have paid attention to it, you know, turning 18, trying to find a company. I mean, I didn't know about working from home either. I wish I would have. I wish yeah. that was was a was a thing, a more popular thing when we were growing up. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, our our president, when we were uh, all together recently, he said, um, you know, it's it's not a sexy business, but you know, when times are good, we're hauling steak, and when times are bad, we're hauling burger, but we're still hauling. Like it doesn't get, it doesn't stop. I've only been doing logistics for now, like. Four or five years now 
I never, it never even crossed my mind. Even though you see all, all these trucks and stuff. Exactly. My first, my first thought when I see trucks like that is CDL driver. Mm. Right. Not like, yeah, none of the behind the scenes ever rung a bell. Yeah. And then when you think of like office jobs, like, you know, for a corporation like this in transportation, you always think, oh, I'm going to need a degree to, you know, I'm going to need some education on my resume to, to get in with a company like that. And it's not the case. No. Yeah. Now, if you're smart and you don't mind working like a maniac, you can move up in a company, especially one that's growing like ours, really quick. Opportunities just keep popping up. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Cash Money earlier. Uh, if you had a rap name, what would it be? Oh, gosh. He already has one. I know it. It's in his head. Maybe. Yeah, he, he said, yeah. oh, gosh, let me think about it. No, I really he, don't. he had it lined up. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I think you could get away with your real name. Jake Morris. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. Let's say you always got to bring your like middle name into a, into the equation there. My middle name's Douglas. So it'd be something along those lines. Something to do with Dougie. Can't do Dougie fresh. He's already. Yeah. He's already um, so what's, man? what's up? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I got some big news. Yeah. Let's hear it. We put our house on the market today. I thought you were going to say you're having another kid. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we put it on this afternoon. We already had three showings this evening. Three more set up for tomorrow. So I don't know. Might not last long. Where the hell are you going? Outer Banks, baby. Are you really? Yeah. Went there for vacation and uh, loved it. And then Jackie's, she just recently quit her job. So we're like, fuck it, let's go to the beach. So that's what we're going to do. That's awesome, man. What kid, do you have kids in the high school still? Yeah. Chris is a senior. So that sucks for him. He's like, I don't care, dude. Like, uh, Anna's (laughs) a freshman. She's all for it. Uh, Yeah, cool. John's the oldest. He's going to turn 20 soon. And he's the one that's mad. I was like, (laughs) Bro, like, come on. Is he going to come with you or just, just stay? Just get an apartment or something? I'm pretty sure he's going to come with us, but I think it's crossed his mind. Like, I think I'm going to stay, but he'll, he'll come with us. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but the, you know, the idea is to, you know, buy a couple Airbnbs over the next couple of years and supplement her income and have something to do. So, yeah, each life. That's sick, right. man. Congratulations. Kyle, you also have some big news. I have no news. You guys My have- daughter turns four this weekend. Let's go. <laughs> That's about it. Jake, you got kids? Yeah, I sure do. I've got a uh, uh, five-and-a-half-year-old boy. Um, we've got a four-year-old daughter, and then we have a four-month-old daughter as well. So we're wide open right now. In the thick of we're it. We're done though. We're this is it, man. We're I'm I got I got my appointment in uh like three weeks. The appointment. Yeah. We're <laughs> shutting it down. I'm not I'm not far behind. Yeah. Going I don't for know it, if Kyle. my wife will be okay with that. But. Going for it, Kyle. Don't, don't tell her. <laughs> don't yeah, tell her. Surprise her. 
<laughs> and just be like, I don't know, babe. I keep trying, but it's not working. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. Oh my god. Let's go together, Wes, before you uh you leave the outer banks. Uh, get it over with. a couple weeks ago. Or, yeah, Jake and I were talking about we're gonna hold hands, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you guys fight for it. It's a privilege. Yeah. Jake, are you going to uh Salt Lake in a couple? Yep. Yeah, we fly out there a little early. I get there on uh, Sunday because we got sales meetings on Monday and Tuesday. Nice. And then we'll do the leadership thing on, uh, I'll say, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh. Kyle, are you going so to Salt the- Lake, too? Come on. Yeah, uh, we're going out to Lake. Damn it. We're just talking over each other. <laughs> so cold. It's going to be so cold out there. Yeah. Sorry, Kyle. Floor is yours. No, I'm just curious because you're talking about sales and and uh, trying to get these companies and everything like that. I was curious if um, if it's always a like CR England branded truck, or do you ever have deals where you take on the company's branding and you're just kind of behind the scenes like that type of setup? Um. So all of our, I mean, we have all. Um, employee drivers and so they all drive our trucks um and when we have when we stand up a fleet we give that company the option right if if they don't want to you know have their freight hauling in a CR England truck they can always paint the trucks trailer have it look like it's their company look like it's really their own private fleet so there's always that option for companies gotcha yeah, and we do all quite a few customer trailers. Yeah, that too. With our trucks, so okay. Nobody really likes that option. They just they come on and move our shit. Yeah, they like to. Whatever. What's going to save us the most money? Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, it's always bottom line. Jake Kyle is in uh, marketing, graphic design. So, oh sweet. I mean, we have almost no marketing team, so. <laughs> we could use a little help. Yeah, dude. The the crazy. Hey, I can freelance on the side. Yeah. Just call me up. <laughs> the growth that we've had so far, the last couple of years, and what we've got planned with almost no marketing is bananas. Yeah, it's and really it's cool. It's insane. Most of our marketing that we do, like our marketing department does, it's geared more towards like driver recruiting wow. on the marketing side, and so they don't put a whole lot out on marketing for um, like new, new customers for us. Um, but that's something that we've been working on the side, kind of doing our own thing yeah. with the approval of the company, but outside of the marketing department. So we just try to stay relevant on, on LinkedIn, trying to get our name out there that we do. We do more than refrigerated. Um, we're a top player in the dedicated space. We're top 10 carrier. Um, just letting, letting people know. I gotta imagine it's a tough. That sounds like a really tough space to market in because it's like people probably have their. I mean, I, I'd imagine it's the kind of a long-term thing unless someone's gonna give you a good deal. Like I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's probably hard to get X company to come over to you from another transportation company. I don't know. It is. It's a, it's a long sales cycle. Like from the point yeah. of our contact from my from my team, like lead generation to let's say we make a sale and we start implementing the, uh, the fleet, it could be eight to 10 months from start to finish. It is yeah. a very, very long sale. 
Yeah. Insane. There's so many people involved, the contract negotiations, legal team versus legal team having, you know, having at it. Um, it's a, it's a long process. And then the, there, I've been to a lot of sites now um, and not every site. So like we're dedicated to a specific customer, right? So, but if you go in, there's some, there's oftentimes multiple carriers for the one customer. So they have multiple dedicated carriers. So we'll be in there with, you know, two other big name carriers, but inevitably one of them sucks or is difficult to work with or frustrating or too expensive. So I would imagine that's our, that's our way in, I would guess. <clears throat> yeah, makes us look better when you got competitors there that are not holding up to the standard. Yeah. Makes it easier for us to, uh, to get more volume from that customer. But at the same time, you got to think of your customer shoes too. They don't want to just give all of their freight to one company, right? They want to they want to diversify too. At the same time, that way, if something happens with that company, you know, they're not screwed. You know, they got other carriers to rely on as well. It's kind of helpful for new business too, because they may need 150 trucks, but since there's multiple carriers, we can be like, we can start out at 50. You know, right. it's more manageable than some huge fleet. Yeah, I've never, every, uh, I've always been in a much quicker environment. Like I worked for a cable company for a little while and then worked and worked for the hurricanes. So pro sports, I mean, you're just, you're marketing game by game and then season tickets, like everything's just rolling over real quick. And then now I'm, uh, support, um, UVA's advancement. So fundraising and a lot of that, it, there is like a, some kind of long-term plays there where they're talking to people that are going to give millions and millions, and that's obviously going to be a long conversation. But a lot of it is they're they're going out and talking to people, and we're just supporting them, giving them the stuff they need, and it's usually much quicker. And people are already invested because it's alumni, it's people that care about UVA, so it's not like it's complete uh, like cold calls and just yeah. yeah out of the blue. So. That was my biggest transition because I was used to that too, right? I was used to just basically, basically like transactional sales yeah. um, from start to finish. Like from any sales job that I've ever had before, this was always, I've always got like an immediate gratification, uh, immediate ROI for your marketing stuff and the money you're spending on, on whatever, you know, software it is um, to help you reel in customers. But the biggest, that was my biggest challenge is just, and they kept telling me like, Hey, this is a long game, slow down. Like don't, you know, don't get uh, down if you don't see any results in the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months, because it's going to take a long time. And it, it did. It took a long time to build up the pipeline. So um, and that's what I'm trying to stress to my new team right now, because I just hired three, three new people to my team like three weeks ago. And so it's just it's a long term play. So when you're, you know, cold calling all day and sending out emails and you're not getting any responses and nobody's picking up the phone, you know, don't get discouraged because that's just the name of the game. These people need to see your name and hear your name a few times before they're going to reach back out to you. And you, like I said, you just got to catch them at the right time. So you, you may finally reach them after three months of trying to get in contact with them. This is a crazy industry. 
I've never seen anything like it before. I'd imagine word of mouth and like testimonials and like that's probably super important too. Just getting one customer talking to another potential customer and and getting you in the door. Yeah. And one of our people put it best. It's like he he wants to talk to anybody and everybody. So anybody that we can schedule a call for him, he's down to take it because he calls it just meeting new friends. Um, And what I found out in this industry is people, it's a small industry, like close knit almost when you're talking to, you know, the same like food shippers and and different companies like that. Um, And people change jobs. So you want to build relationships with those key people at those positions in those companies, because they may not be there in three to four years from now. They may go work for XYZ company where before we couldn't help them out because of that company. But now when they shift uh, companies and uh, make a move to somebody else, maybe we can help them out. We've already got that relationship established when they when they make that transition. And so it's just these uh, these tenured guys really hold the power because of their relationships in the industry when it comes to, to sales. That's a good point. How do you know, since it's less transactional, how do you know if like the team that you just hired is doing a good job? I'm a big effort guy. Um, I do a lot of coaching too. you know, make sure we've got a clear picture of what we're doing, the word track that we're using, um, prospecting emails that we've drawn up like the templates. And so for me, it's just, you know, if it's, I put it in two buckets, is it uh, uh, like a skill? problem or is it a effort problem mm-hmm. if that's a skill problem like i can i can try to coach and help that out but if we got an effort problem you're not going to make it like I, I can't make you work right i can't make you do your job i can't make you pick up the phone and and make those cold calls or send those send those emails out so it's just trying to stick to that process that we have um touch points follow-ups you got to be consistent with it just like any other sales any other sales industry it's all about follow-up and, and staying in front of these people and motivating them, right? Making sure they've got some short-term gains. So I threw a little bit of uh, carrots at them, right? So they can kind of get some bonus in the short term and little competitions that we can do to keep it exciting because it's a, such a long-term play, right? You got to you got to have that short-term goal so they can kind of see something. Uh, yeah, some to yeah, for sure. It's awesome. I did a I did a little sales today. Um, getting this beer down in the hotel. I walk down, they've got like a cooler, whatever, and you can just get beers um, and you pay for them or put them in your room. And I opened, I opened it and I grabbed one and I was like, hey, can I have this? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, no, like, can I have it? And she was like, all right. I was like, can I have two? <laughs> and so I got two free beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that would work. It worked. You just so ask him I twice. guess you just got to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you go, no, don't ask. Good tactic there. Uh, or, you know, it's just going to be on your, your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I didn't tell her where I was staying. Hopefully she doesn't know. It's weird. Just go to the front desk and be like, the guy with the beard. That yeah. dude. He just stole two beers from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even ask. The cops are waiting downstairs. <laughs> oh man, dude! The fucking cops came and knocked on our door the other day, like ten thirty at night. How'd you do? The fucking door. I was brushing my teeth and my phone was going off, saying somebody was at the front door and then the dogs were barking and shit. And I ran down there and little cop, he's like, "Hey, uh, were you at Tap House earlier?" 
I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, somebody uh, lost their cell phone at the tap house and they have the Apple like find me and it's pinging in this location. That's what the cops are doing. Wow. That's what L'Oreal said. And I was like, actually, I'm glad because I'd rather have them knocking on my door (laughs) saying that someone lost their cell phone than being like, hey, we saw this murderer jump your fence in your house. Somewhere (laughs) in the area. But really, they were subtly accusing you of stealing someone's phone from the tap house. He actually told me, he's like, it's not even this area. It's like a couple houses down, but we're one of two houses on like completed houses on the street so he was he was knocking on both of our doors so random like dude i haven't fucking left this house in like three days (laughs) it was not the tap house i don't have somebody my name is kyle jay now have you told anybody that we're gonna start a podcast uh i told my team yeah what was the reaction they're excited about it yeah well, they yeah. have to be. You're the boss. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> That's right. Show the bonuses. Yeah. No, we. Uh, we <laughs> Do we get a bonus for you? Like that. <laughs> no, I'm what, excited. Is, what is this podcast going to be about? Wes, I'll let you lead into that one. This is Wes's idea. Big. He twisted my arm one night. He took advantage of me when I was when I was uh, intoxicated. I had a few beers, and now uh, I finally made the pitch. No, um, I actually made the pitch like a year ago. To my chain of command and they're like well let's talk to so and so and so and so and i was like no i'm just gonna wait i was like i need to wait till i'm in the room with one of the company owners and so i got jake involved and then we made the pitch and it worked um but the the idea is you know to kind of help out with our um marketing and just staying in front of you know new business current business also like attract you know we don't do a lot towards office employees uh, really at all um and so this thing's kind of evolved um in what we want to do but we would talk to you know people in our industry um outside of our industry um about you know leadership growth business uh marketing sales and then um jake kind of threw in like it would be cool to let people know what we were just talking about earlier uh, you don't need a degree to get into this this industry. Um, this yeah. is kind of what the, the career paths look like in the different you know sections and divisions of these companies. Um, and ask you know these company leaders we interview like what does it look like to get a job? Start towards the bottom and and work your way up. How how old do you be? What what kind of experience are you gonna have? What can I expect? What what's the future look like? So. It'll, the challenge for this industry is getting the younger generation involved and knowing that this is an option, just like kind of like us, right? We didn't know this was an option. So to bring in, like like Wes said, bring in our people from our company, talk about the current market, what's going on in the industry, and then get some of our competitors, some of our you know prospects that we're looking at, um, maybe customers just talking about what their challenges are, uh, why it's beneficial to outsource to a carrier instead of having a private fleet talking about those options, but then always give them the floor too to kind of promote their company and talk about their entry-level positions for people looking to get into the industry. And maybe talk like two different paths. One, here's, if you do have schooling, here's what's available. If you don't, 
here's, you know, what we can get you into kind of ground level, even if it's a sales position. Um, I'm a big fan of American income on TikTok and Instagram. If you guys follow that, yeah. um, they basically just interview random people and ask them, what do they do for a living? How they got into it? How many years have been doing it? And what's their salary? You know, how much are they making? So I think if we can get these people talking, if they're allowed to, you know, say what like a general salary range is for these type of positions just to get people interested to know that this is an option um, and what they look for on resumes and stuff like that, just to create some awareness around it. And then that we, we can clip it and use that for marketing and send it out for when it's relevant in the market. And that, that range of salary is tricky. Uh, yeah. The, the last company I worked for, when my wife worked for them for like three years before I joined and my starting pay was like close to her uh, max where she ended up uh, before she left the company and just in a three year period. And I had, I was only with that company for about a year and there were people that joined my department before I left. And I was curious, uh, you know, how much, more they were making just within that year. And even after I started within that year, I ended up making, uh, I received multiple bonuses and, but I'm like, how many other people also received this bonus or is it, you know, kind of like you were saying, like an effort thing. If, if you just show up and do your job and don't break anything type of deal. You're saying because it was more difficult to hire folks at that time, they had to offer a higher salary to start. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, the difficulty. I mean, or I, could it have been, unfortunately, a gender thing between oh, you and L'Oreal's? And I would hate. I mean, for that to be. The I know issue. that sucks. I'm just saying that could yeah, very well be. You, you know, it's crazy because yeah, she was way better at her job than I was at my. We were in different departments and. Dude, she she could have been managing uh, their department. She was a killer, and I just showed up and just tried to learn it really quick, mm-hmm. just, like be repetitive at it. And I, I would hope that it didn't have anything to do with gender. That would uh, that would not be cool. But yeah, I just know, and you know, still mm-hmm. a thing. As yeah. much as we don't want it to be, it's still a thing. Yeah, but I, when it comes to like the difficulty of getting the job or the position or whatever. I don't know if that had anything to do with it either, man. I mean, maybe I joined in 2020. I mean, it was kind of a a rocky time, but I don't know. Sure. didn't seem like they had any issues hiring and they didn't fire people. You could, you could really get away with a lot at that company. uh, But actually I've kind of noticed that in logistics is they don't really, drop people they'll move them they'll move them to a different department uh, which i i really appreciate because i mean you don't i don't know you don't really know what you're good at until you try it if you've never done it before so like if i was to join Wes's department or whatever and i just sucked ass and they moved me to jake's department i could be very successful and understand it a lot a lot quicker i'm I do like that companies at least try to keep their people and it takes so much more effort to bring somebody else on. costs a lot of money. You got to train them if they don't have any experience. Everybody's got new programs, 
you got to learn. So bad hires are so expensive too. Like if you, if you're just spinning that wheel, that was one of the things when I owned my insurance agencies, like I've, I've made so many bad hires. <laughs> <laughs> I did it over and over again, just because, you know, if when I first started, I was just trying to fill that seat, right? I found somebody, oh, they sound good on the phones. They've got their license. Okay, let's go. I can teach these guys. I can train them, whatever. But you, you just can't fix certain people. Like you can't can't change the, the person, right? And so I just did that time and time. And you lose so much money because you're paying all that salary, all that time for training, building up that pipeline. And then you got to start all the way over again. It's just, it's painful. It's a painful. You, you, you know what's helping yeah. that? And a big improvement since COVID is that, I mean, some people are going back into the office, but a lot of companies have gone into some sort of hybrid or fully remote thing. And that just uh, like, in in my, we are now hiring all across the country and it's like, you're getting way better talent because you're not forced to either pay someone to move here or you're just, your talent pool is just way bigger. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I wish more companies would pick up on that and just start letting the hybrid thing happen or whatever you want to call it, because you're, you're getting better people. And it's, it's, yeah. I mean, my department is clear that it it's working. So especially companies in smaller towns, right. When your talent pool really is very limited. Yeah. yeah. Other than, unless you want to have somebody drive like an hour into the office, right. Make that hour drive. I mean, you just open up the remote work and you have that much more talent to chase after. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's us. Charlottesville's not a big place. I mean, you got Richmond an hour away, but like it's yeah. Now hiring people in California, New York, Florida, all over the place and getting better people as a result. Yeah. yeah. So we're not on our team. Yeah. From, was- from the operation side, like we have to have people on site. Like that's, usually part of the contract and they're i mean they're industrial towns right so not super desirable so a lot of people do drive an hour hour and a half just to come into the office uh, but it definitely limits the the pool of applicants that you get and definitely the quality yeah warehouse yeah. i mean i i don't know i only worked in one warehouse but Man, there was a bunch of people that had been there for 10 to 25 years. What else are going to do? Exactly. Totally. Well, that and they start getting more paid time off and more benefits. Yeah. And it just makes sense to exactly. stay. Yep. That hour drive doesn't seem so bad when you got five weeks of vacation. Yeah. It's mainly, it's mainly like the office staff that we have trouble recruiting for in these smaller towns because it's hard and exhausting frustrating what are they doing like what's the jobs like so we've got um like planners who based on the amount of deliveries and where we have to deliver to they plan the driver based on Mm. a lot of different things but how many you know hours of service they have um preference is uh important you're dispatching a, a driver and then we have logistics coordinators who basically do a lot of the admin work along with uh, dispatching and tracking everything. Yeah. Making sure everything is going according to plan, putting out fires constantly all day. And then you have 
you know, supervisors who, who those folks report to. And then you usually have like an account manager uh, who kind of shoulders the whole thing and they communicate with the customer the most. And then they also report up the chain. So um, LCs are, and uh, dispatchers, man, they are the real MVPs. Yes, they are. They take a lot of shit. <laughs> they handle all that. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to, trying to find that right person in a small pool we're competitive in pay, um, but not enough to be like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Right. We're competitive. Um, does yeah, does so an that, operations team include like the mechanics and things like that? Are those on the that site, or is that all separate? No, I mean we have a couple locations that have their own, like Cisco in Front Royal. We have our own shop, um, but they're in the maintenance department. So like they had their own shop manager. It was kind of like where when I was an account manager, we worked together, but we didn't work for for each other. We had different bosses. Andrew. It's a whole different ball game on that side of the field. It's wild. Yeah. Constant helmet fire. No, it doesn't so here's the thing. We need a name for this podcast. We came up with one, but it's we did, but we were drinking. Yeah, we were. Let's hear it. What do you got so far? White trash logistics. White tr- what? It's got a good <laughs> ring to it, right? Yeah. Or, or two guys. I don't think you tr- can go with that one. No. I like two guys, one truck. Jake wasn't a fan. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cal, you okay, man? I've been coughing for two weeks. I'm doing good. Been coughing for two weeks. Probably got another week of it before it'll go away. Jake, do you get sick constantly because your kids leave the house? Yeah. In the I've been good um, here the last couple of weeks. We've been good, but yeah, for the most part, we've kids always bring so much shit home with them. It's right? like You're once a month at least. So we got to the point like before holidays, uh, like when our kids were in daycare, or all of I guess Leo and Lexi. Um, but now, just Lexi, we'll pull her out like the week leading up to the holiday. We'll just have her stay home because they're. Chances are we're all going to get sick on the how right on the holiday. It's happened yeah. so many times before, so we just got in the habit of having them stay home. Yeah, I uh, came down with a hundred and two degree fever the night Christmas night <laughs> into the next day. Yeah, gross. It was awful. It's really gross. Oh, and then found out this week because Luna got had a fever later in the week, and so but then it went away. She wasn't complaining about anything. Zero symptoms. So we're like, okay, whatever. She's fine. And then earlier this week, she started complaining about her ear. And she's never had ear infections. And I was like, fuck. Like, here we go. And uh, yeah, I went to the doctor. Both double ear infection. Oh, oh damn. Um, yeah. But she's hasn't complained about any pain since that one night. And she's on medicine now. So hopefully we'll be in the clear. But mm. I, I just hear horror stories about ear infections getting very expensive. So I'm like freaking out. But yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all ever heard of a tonal? I have tonal, like, like, like tonal? the music app. Uh, tonal. That no, that's title. Title. Oh, okay. Tonal is a workout equipment. Goes on your wall. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I knew what, that's what it was called. Did you buy a tonal? Yeah. yeah. What's no, this called? I, just, I was just curious if you guys have like used one heard anything about them 
Well, can't help you there. Just good genes, baby. Is that what you call it? Oh man, Wes, <laughs> that uh, ancestry tree thing that Jessica did—that's <laughs> pretty funny, man. They uh, came back and it was like, "You are super white." Yeah, our cousin did twenty-three and me, and she shared that results, and they're like, "You white as fuck." <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that. I'm curious to know. I'm afraid to know. Um, it made me so paranoid about that in the military. Like I had, you know, top secret clearance or whatever. And they're like, do not do these. Um, Cause if you get captured, when you go down, they have China and Russia have access to these things and they'll plant your DNA and get you for crimes that you didn't. I was like, what the fuck? So I've just always been like, I'm not doing it. Really? Not that's 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 good to know. Yeah. Wow. Same. I guess well, I don't do it either. We could have got shot down and then been captured. I, I don't know. All right. Sorry. That's some fear-based selling. Yeah. yeah. What else you got, man? <laughs> what else you got? You ready to bring to the surface? <laughs> I can't talk about it. Jake, would you recommend a career in sales to youngsters? And why? Yeah, I would. Um, especially starting out, like outside of high school. Like I thought I was just pressured to go to college, right? Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm pretty intelligent. I, I didn't uh, apply myself when I went. I was going for the wrong reasons. Um, so that was part of my problem. I was a, I was a dipshit in high school um, towards my later part. But uh, yeah, I would say, especially coming out of high school, even out of college, I'll get into sales because the sooner you get into it and you find success at it, no matter what company it is, no matter what you're selling, sales is a gift. Either you have it or you, you don't, right? You're going to be successful in it. Um, obviously, you got to find the right mentors along your way, right? And do, uh, if you read books, if that's your thing, you know, there are plenty of options out there to uh, sharpen your skill there. But the sooner you get involved in sales and find that success, you can branch that off into any, any company. Um, you know, to uh, make you more valuable to those higher, you know, sales positions to where your salaries are starting off at 150K to 200K plus commission. Yeah, just the being able to sell something. Like, one, if you can make the phone make you money, like you'll never be hungry. But even though I'm not in sales, I'm selling something every day to my team, to my drivers, up the chain with a new idea selling myself like i wish i would have learned sales at a younger age yeah especially that work-life balance too it's like you really however however hard you want to work you know usually any sales job is going to have commission tied to it so if you want to make more money you're not just on paper this is what you're going to make that year right it depends on how hard you want to work um who you want to go after, what your goals are for that year. Um, so, and at that point, like if you're good at it too, companies give you so much leniency because you put up num- numbers. Like if you currently hit your numbers, they don't care how often you like you work. I mean, there are some companies that let you work half days or, you know, take time off here and there that just they get paid for and they don't care just because they don't want to lose you because you're, you're making them money. So that's the other side to it is the work-life balance. Would you 
like let's say you just had a rock star that just could not stop selling but he was just a complete asshole everyone hated him hated them around like would you keep him no can't how long would you hold on to him <laughs> long enough before my team started complaining about it as soon yeah. as my team starts complaining about it and it becomes like a cancer problem to where they're being affected by it that's when i get rid of them but as long as they're making money and everybody's kind of like there's like that elephant in the room kind of thing i'll let it ride out until yeah but that's the worst though when you have somebody like that that's arrogant and just a complete dick you know whatever they know they're good but they're just they try to get away with everything possible because they know they're putting up numbers that's where it becomes like those people i can't stand them can they be saved no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah they can man no they can, they can. No, because they know if we fire them, right? If you fire this person, I'll just go get a job down the road because I'm I can sell whatever and find somebody who's gonna put up with me. Yeah. Somebody who's just gotta find a bigger asshole. Somebody who needs that short-term spark in their sales program, right? He's gonna go take advantage of that and get fired again and <laughs> move on to the next company. That's that's car sales right there. Yeah, hundred percent. That is what it's like. That's like the environment, man. You People come, they make some money at a dealership for a bit, and then they become that cancer or they get fired for a reason and they literally just move to the next dealership over. Yeah, I've said plenty of times on the show that I couldn't do a sales job, but Wes, to your point of like selling yourself and like the things you do throughout a day, I am selling my ideas constantly at work. Like, that's all I, I come up with three, four ideas for something and I'm pitching someone on why this is the direction they should go in. And I do it constantly. And like, I just, it just kind of change the way your mind thinks about all of that. Yeah. You could, you could sell, sell me that bike behind you. Oh, well, I could do that. It's if exactly. I'm passionate about it. Exactly. Yeah. But like, know, your, know your product. Yeah. But I, I like if we put more emphasis on that to to kids when they're younger, like that skill is in every industry. You just don't you don't realize it. Just communication. Yeah. It's more like I treat sales as like educational, right? I want to educate them about what we have to offer. Because again, people don't like to be sold. So if you plant that into them, like here's what we have here, here are the solutions that we can help you out with your pain points, right? And then walk through that conversation with them you know, how, how we're going to help them out. Um, you just got to be a good listener. Yeah. It's like educating them on the best decision for, for themselves. <laughs> and a lot of these people, they'll tell you flat out what their pain points are, right? Here's what I'm struggling with. And so you just got to listen to those, pick up on those. So then when you're yeah. talking about your value, throw those in there and say, Hey, we also have this just so it kind of reinforces, you know, why they should use you. And then let ultimately they're, you know, if they like you, if you're personable, Chances are they're going to do business with you. Yeah. And that skill that you're talking about right now is the exact way to do an interview too. So selling your, listen to what that company needs and then regurgitate back to them why you're that Absolutely. person. Yeah. yeah. Interviewing one-on-one there. That's interviews are 100% of sales. That's a sales tactic. You know, you got to sell yourself. Yeah. Jake, coming from the mortgage game, did you ever think about getting into a, the agent side, like the realtor side? No, I never did. Cause I was only in the mortgage industry for um, maybe like a little over a year, year and a half. 
and then that the market crash hit. Um, and so I ended up, I was in Georgia at the time and I ended up moving back home to Michigan and that's when I started selling cars. So I never really like had a lot of exposure to that industry. Um, at that time, I just, I don't know, real estate agents back then to me just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't see a future in that for me. Yeah. You're selling cars during cash for clunkers. You're probably yeah, that was turning, right that. turning over 10 grand cars all the time. Oh yeah. <clears throat> that was such a mess. That was a shit show during that time. I, I was a detailer at a car dealership for two summers during, during that, that period, time period. We had a hurricane in Charleston, Kyle, and a bunch of cars got flooded and they would be like on a flatbed being brought in to the dealership and that we were told, you know, to go meet these people in the service area where they were talking about fixing their car and dropping thousands of dollars to, you know, fix their engine or whatever was flooded. And they, they had like a whole dedicated sales pitch for these customers that were coming in who literally just like survived the hurricane and lost their car. And they're like, we need you to sell them a new Corolla or whatever. Just ruthless. Awful. Yeah. Made a lot of money though. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's hard. It's hard to look somebody in the face and be like, this really sucks, but can you please sign here? Yeah. You know what you need? You need a new car. Yeah. If they come in looking for a truck, you point them in the direction of a Camry because we have bonuses on those. This yeah. Time. Spiffs. Man, there were so many kickbacks on vehicles. Spins. I don't know if you guys had those. We had spins on certain cars. Yeah, we had. Uh, it's like your bread and butter, man. Camrys, Corolla. You get like every Wednesday. There was like an automated system and you had kind of like a Toyota credit card or debit card situation. And every Wednesday it would like randomly spin and you get anywhere between like $50 to $500 for every, every Corolla or Camry you sold was that many more spins. We had a guy, um, Speaking of detail, Simon Ice, the protection there that you put on the uh, interior. So we had a uh, program to where I think our standard Simon Ice package was like 500 bucks. But if you sold it anything above that, you got to keep it. So if you sold it for a thousand, you get $500. It's not a percentage of it. You get to keep it. And so with this dude, he's so shady. You run into so many shady people in the car business. Oh, yeah. so what he did is he would start knocking off the price of the car to sell it to the people and then repurpose that money into the simonized package so that instead of making a commission on the price of the sale all that money would be on the back end of the simonized so he would get it 100 percent instead of taking the 20 percent of the margin or whatever he was making or 30 percent they shut that program down within like literally three weeks (laughs) he would bank so hard on the back end of the deal because they're in toyota and honda like there's not a ton of markup in those vehicles and people come in there and they're like well we went to the dodge dealership and they gave us 10 grand off on this brand new car and we're like we don't have that we sell them the car and if they got two thousand dollars off the salesperson's basically making minimum on the sale they're making like a hundred bucks or 150 whatever the minimum is 
But if they go into the finance box and finance sells them at a higher rate with the bank, or if they sell like accessories or shit, that's another salesperson that's trying to line your pockets as well. So you're kind of banking on them. You might pass them a couple of drinks yeah. or whatever. Extended warranties. Oh yeah, man. This shit sucks, dude. That was. That was I'm so not- glad I got out of that industry. <laughs> I was in it for four years. It was too long. <laughs> but, but some people, like you said, man, some people kind of have a knack for it, and they, if they're good yeah, at like- it, they can make a ton of money. Yeah. Especially if you're bilingual, man, you're. You've got like double the customers. But you're working nights every Saturday. You don't get days off. They sell you your days off. Sell you on the day off. Yeah, but then you still gotta come in because you got a (laughs) delivery coming that day. And it's like you don't want anybody else snaking your deal. You got a customer coming in that day because it's their day off. And it's like they they said uh, this dealership is so great. You get to work Saturdays where everybody else is off, so you have better chances of making a sale because you have more customers coming in, and they'll allow you to come in on your day off to make another sale, which is more money in your pocket. Well, that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to do that? Welcome to Great. such and such dealership. And like you get that, free lunch on kind of... Saturdays, too. We'll provide you lunch on Saturdays, too. We'll oh, yeah. The same pizza. lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm good. Jake, thanks for hanging, man. Appreciate you guys having me tonight. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to what we're going to do in the future. Yeah. Me too, man. Exciting stuff. You guys need any advice on the podcast thing? Ask Kyle. He's the brains behind the operation. We're going to need some help. Right? (laughs) Right? First, I'm going to get a camera that works, I guess. Mm -hmm. This is the second one I've blown out. Cool. Oh, you guys yeah. next week. Yeah. Have a good one. I